the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Her name is Deborah. She is one of the judges that we find in the Book of Judges. And she was an exceptional ruler. So how does that square with women in ministry? We'll talk about that coming up today here on Way of Grace. Deborah, an exceptional ruler. And this is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, who will take us back to the book of Judges, chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, as we take a look at this woman and why she was an exceptional ruler. And what does Scripture have to say about women leading anyway? Well, let's talk about all of that today. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Remember this, and you can think about it for yourself. Again, I'm not going to go into an apologetic on this, although I do have plans on us working through a number of of, uh, deconstruction uh, arguments and, uh, and, and pathologies going on in our country now where we need to actually recover apologetically what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a man. And, and, and why the word of God is our authority over all things. But be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ, verse two. Now, I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I have delivered them to you. Paul being the servant of Jesus, he's the vehicle by which authoritative New Testament doctrine is given. But I would have you to know that the head of every man is who? That's exactly right. And the head of the woman is who? And the head of Christ is who? Now, that framework is to be understood and believed without argument in the church. That it's framed by only the church. It is not framed by the world. The world should obey it because God rules over all things. But in the church of God, there is no question that the head of the man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is his father, our father, and Jesus is our Lord. There's no question in the true church. Now, when you have that, this is called what I'm teaching you guys on Friday, an organizing principle. That's an organizing principle. How many of you guys keeping up with me there? An organizing principle helps you frame every other doctrine up under it in an orderly fashion where it doesn't get lost. So what is my role as a woman? You got an organizing principle laid out right there. Whatever you do, don't violate that principle. This is the way God comes down from heaven, saves the people for his own self, organizes them, bringing them into the integration of unity and harmony under him, namely family. The church of the living God are the ecclesia called to be a family. And this is what it looks like. Paul is dealing with the heresy at this time in his church of women preachers, women priests. You understand that? 
women prophetesses and women priests rising up thinking that they could minister in Corinth without a covering to act just like men. He's correcting that. Most of your epistles are corrective epistles because we love to challenge God's authority, don't we? So here we are in uh, the book of Judges, going back now to subpoint three to lay this out in the book of Judges, subpoint three. Not only does she exercise spiritual gifts in terms of prophecy, but she operates under the headship of her husband as a judge. That means she doesn't get to just arbitrarily institute um, her assessment of the legislation of the law without actually running it through her husband. Now, she's a prophetess and she's a judge, but she's a married woman helping some of y'all. Now, you may end up by the providence of God, young lady, making more money than your husband. And you may be in a position where that particular job will have a domain that you are actually exercising authority over a lot of people. But you still ought to be subject to your husband. And that where critical measures of ambiguity come in, you need to really get the wisdom and approval of your husband if you're going to stick your neck out to make a judgment that's going to harm other people. Am I making some sense? Here's the reason why. You ready? Because in terms of your covering, God views your husband as your covering, not your boss. Not your position, not your authority, not your job. Your husband. And this sister never walked out from up under her husband's covering to exercise her gifts. And that's why God blessed her eminently. See, because you know what she's doing? She's holding the organizing principle in, uh, as a primacy of her rule. Is that not right? She's helping everybody understand you don't violate these rules just because you got a promotion. So what? You still understand that God is head, Christ is head, my husband is head. This is how we support the gathering of the kingdom of God and not the scattering. Right, so our sister is exercising these these wise, wise rules. Subpoint C, pull that up briefly so we can move on. Answering the legal needs of the people. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 11, you're going to have a clear indicator of the protocol, the, what we call the arcanoma of the people of God, the economy of, of legislation when they got in trouble. And here's what Moses by the Spirit said should occur. In Deuteronomy 17, 11, and there are many other places, um, I think I'll start back at verse 10, see if I can contextualize that, Tanja. Thank you. And you shall do according to the sentence which they of the place which the Lord shall choose shall show thee. This would be every place where God would have adjudication set up. He would have court systems all across Israel set up and he would put qualified people there and the common people would go there to get judgment as to know what's going on like we do in our own jurisprudence because ours is based on the Bible too, whether you want to admit it or not. We are very reflective of a Jew-Christian framework of jurisprudence. Notice what it says. And he shall choose and show thee, and you shall observe to do according to all that they inform you. Now, he's going to explain who the they are. Look at verse 11. According to the sentence of the law, which they shall teach you, and according to the judgment, which they shall tell you, you shall do. You shall not decline from the sentence, which they shall show you to do to the right hand or to the left. So when you go to these authorities and there are they, not just them, you're going to get two categories. You listen to what they say and then you do it. That's all that is. By the time you get to them, what God is saying is I will have furnished them with the proper answer for you. When you go away with it, just walk in it. You don't argue with them. 
You don't debate with them. You submit to them. This again is maintaining what is called the organizing principle. Notice what it says in verse 12. Here it is. And the man that will do presumptuously will not hearken unto the what? To the priest that stands to minister there before the Lord God or unto the what? There's your tandem. So you have the priest, the priest in the local jurisdiction of wherever he was. You had you notice they had their own cities, their own suburbs. You went to the priest because the priest was the one you go to commonly for understanding the law. And the priest's lips should keep knowledge and the people should seek the word of the Lord at their mouth. Priests in the Old Testament are really ministers of the gospel who know the word of God well and are submissive to the rule of God so that the people can avail them frequently as they need to, to get a judgment and walk in it. Every now and then they have to rise up above the priest because the matter may be too difficult and go between the priest and the judge. So the judge is there to deal with what is called controversy. We know this because this all originated in Exodus 18 when God told Moses to set up men over 10, men over 100, and men over 1,000. Do you guys remember that? And it's to stop controversy, not to produce it. So it goes on to say in verse 18, uh, let me stay at verse 17, and the Lord your God shall... uh, Uh, that you might minister, that he might, because he's the priest that ministers before the Lord, your God, or unto the judge, even that man shall die that rejects their authority and shall put away evil from Israel. These are the two authorities that we are looking at that the scriptures would lay out very important. Verse 13 would be one more verse. Deuteronomy 17, 13. And all the people shall hear and fear and do no more what? Right. So a lot of what is going on in terms of coming to the priest and coming to the judge is straightening out bad practice, bad ideas, bad relationships on the part of the common people that are just messing up their walk with God. Does that make some sense? And because God wants to keep us in a place where he can bless us. And that is the uh, twofold operation of Sister Deborah. Now look at point number two. We've run into that a bit. I want us to look at point number two. It's going to be under verses six and seven in our text. Now that we've looked at her practical role positionally by God, we want to look now more particularly at her function in something that God has now called her to be a primary spokesperson for him of. Verse six says, and she sent and called Barak, the son of Abinoam, out of Kedesh, Naphtali. If we were looking on the map, you'd see he'd be way up there in the Zebulon Naphtali area. I told you he lived right down the street from the Lord Jesus and said unto him, hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee 10,000 men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulon. Verse 7, and God says, and I will draw unto you to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army with his chariots and his multitude, and I will deliver him into your hand. Ladies and gentlemen, what you just got right there was a sister who simply gave a faithful message that she received to God to the man that God wanted to receive that message. Please get that. She didn't tell him what to do. She told him what God told him to do. Please catch that. 
hath not the Lord said. It's important for us to make sure that we get all the prejudice and bias smoke out of our heads and ears and eyes. Deborah is not walking around exercising divine fiat. Okay, she's not the Pope. She's not making proclamations. She's simply obeying God as a prophetess to speak to the man that by inference of the text, will you hear me? By inference of the text, Barak already knew that God was calling him. Are y'all hearing me? He already knew. And so since none of the brothers wanted to tell him, she has to, he has to send the sister. Barak, you know that God has said it's time for you to go. You guys see that? It's very clear. You, you know, there's, no, there's no need to miss what's being stated in verse 6. And then she explains this is what's going to happen. God in his sovereign power is about to draw Sisera to a particular place. And he's about to set Sisera to destroy him. Okay, I'm going to give you a little uh, sanctified sense because I love the word of God and I know a bit how God works. Can I tell you what's going on? This here is God making a in round uh, over against the enemies of the people of God because he already knows the enemy of the people of God want to continue to destroy Israel. He's making an end run. He's actually now going before the enemy and making sure he strategically positions his soldiers so they can have the best opportunity to destroy the foes who are already scheming, already planning, already structuring the next level of oppression and destruction of the people of God. Can God do that? Does God have a little bird in the chamber that can hear anybody, any king, any ruler when they make their plans? Does not the Bible say man will prepare his plans, but God will direct his step? Is that the Proverbs? And doesn't the proverb also say there's no counsel, there's no knowledge, there's no wisdom against the Lord. If we have a sovereign God who sees the end from the beginning and his eyes are upon all the ways of men, will he not warn us when our enemies are rising up against us? And what God now is wanting to do with his servant is create a preemptive positional strike where they when often God is going to tell you and me to do certain things because we don't have any idea what the moral may bring. And in his love for us, he wants to deliver us from certain things. So long as we are not presumptuous, we should obey him. Doth not the Lord go before you. Isn't that what the text said? That girl is making it plain to me. She's making it plain to me that God has devised the destruction of his foes and he wants to take a handful of men because God hates the legs of a man. The legs of a man does not honor, God does not take any pleasure in the strength of a man's legs. God hates chariots. He ha you already heard in the opening of the text that the thing that Israel feared was the fact that uh, Sisera and Jabin had 900 chariots. 900 chariots. 900 chariots. What are chariots with the one true and living God? What are swords and spears? What are bombs and jets? What are nuclear weapons with the one true and living God? They are nothing to him. A man is not saved by the multitude of an host. 
Many, many horses do not bring a man to safety. But Israel has fallen prey to this notion. Israel has fallen prey just like American Christians have fallen prey. Can I I, I tell you the truth? Y'all ready for the truth? See, this is what it means to have a mirror up. Israel's fallen prey just like we fall prey to the notion that more is better. That when the numbers are greater than ours, we should just submit to them as being authoritative over us. No, we do that, and they did too. Right, so Israel had already had a depletion of the weapons of war. Didn't we learn that last week with Shamgar? He had to take up a plowshare to do a miracle of releasing some of the bondage that Israel was going through, and yet they still don't have that many weapons. But when Shamgar did his work, he gave them rest where they could begin to prepare their weapons. And now we have enough men for them to actually reposition themselves under Barak's authority to be ready to deal with a formidable enemy who has been mightily oppressing the people of God for 20 years. Is this not the gospel, children of God? Remember, redemption, rebellion, repercussions, repentance, and restoration. Is that how it goes? So if God is moving here to deal with his foes and his people's foes, somebody's praying. Somebody has repented of the pathetic state that Israel is in where there are no men in visible positions and visible authority. Somebody's crying out, Lord, have mercy. This is not right. We know we are in a takeaway period when we look across the land and see no visible leadership. I've taught us this before. God means for men to be visible leaders. First Timothy chapter two, verse one. Listen to it. This just came to mind. I want you to see it. I taught this many years ago. Sometimes it comes home and sometimes it doesn't. And most of the time it doesn't come home because we've been so permeated by the secular culture that we don't know how to organize a witness of obedience to Christ in terms of the community of the faithful because we are also deconstructing every day. You would agree with that. We are being uh, impacted by the Canaanite religion and the Canaanite secular systems. And what we're about to learn here is a picture of the Armageddon attack. That's that's basically the final uh, eschatological battle that we're dealing with. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, all supplication and prayer and intercession and giving of thanks be made for all men. Do you guys see that? That's anthropos. That means all human beings. Make make sure that the church is praying For all of them. Now look at verse two. Here it is. For kings and for all that are in authority in order that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. In other words, prayer is going to precede peace. Whether people of God are calling upon heaven to rule over men. Look at the next verse. Here it is. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior. Verse four. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse five, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Let me see verse six. This is exactly important here. Uh, mm, I need to go back. He uses the phrase, um, I will that all men therefore lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That should be in our text. Verse eight. I should have been patient then, huh? (laughs) Look at it. This just came to my thought. So again, in the church, we are operating out of two principles. 
priestly duties and prophetic duties. So we're going to be prophetic. We must also be what? Priestly, right? Priestly duties are about reconciliation. Prophetic duties are about the authority of God's rule over everybody. People don't like when authority comes down from heaven, and therefore we have to pray that God would bring about peace in our hearts because that's where reconciliation comes in. But notice the language. This is going to give you an optic that is really missing in most of our churches. Here it is. Notice what it says. I will, therefore, that men, this is our Greek ter- term for men. This is a male person. This is not an anthropos, okay? This is anir. It is a male person. A female person is a gene in the Hebrew, in the Greek. This is where we get our term gynecologist. Are you following me? This is anir. Male persons. I will that male persons pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and what? You know what that means? I will that the men show visible leadership in the community. Visible leadership in the community. I'll leave that there for you to work through. But it's very clear. So in our generation where we have destroyed the male-female distinction and the hierarchical role of the relationship within the domestic framework, everybody got their hands up. It came home just now, didn't it? Now we got to go, where the brothers at? Because we are losing clarity on the authoritative word of God that speaks specifically about male leadership. I'm going to leave that alone, let you work it through. This just goes to show you how corrupted we are by nature. Let's go on back to our text. We're under point number two now. Her sensitivity to God's will in war, verses six and seven. Sub point A, let me move into this. This is fairly... Uh, fairly uh, easy. She, what she does in dealing with uh, the call to Barak, this is what we saw in verses six and seven. The text tells us, and she called, she called uh, brother Barak and brother Barak was to come and do the work that only he by God's power was ordained to do. In other words, this is not Devorah's job. Her job is not to be in the fray. Her job is not to be, if you will, up front. Uh, In reality, Deborah had no interest on being on the cover of Time magazine. Do you understand that? She had no interest in being, you know, known all around the world as the one female judge. She she wasn't operating narcissistically. This wasn't all about her. You know, we're dealing with that today under this false diversity, inclusion, equity principle, are we not? Deborah would have, she wouldn't have anything to do with taking pictures of her and making her the optic. She minimized her role in what would be a visible conflict in the heavens. The war that's about to take place is a visible conflict in the heavens. We know this, do we not? If God calls his people to fight, are we not fighting spiritual battles? Are they not against principalities and powers and dominions in heavenly realm? Is not the development of her song in chapter five about how the heavens fought with Barak against Sisera and his army? Is that not the nature of it? That means when God calls his people to engage in spiritual war, we are not looking at flesh and blood. We're looking at principalities. And that's what our sister Deborah is doing here. She's looking at principalities. And you know what she says? I dare not. I dare not put a helmet on. I dare not pick up a spear. I dare not climb on the front of the ship and say, let's go. 
I dare not violate that organizing principle of God and Christ and men. I dare not. I dare not. Barak, this word is for you, brother. This word is not for me, Barak. It's for you. There's an amazing insight here. Subpoint A, a man of war to fight God's battle. Is that how God works? A man of war to fight God's battle. This is Exodus 15, 3. You should know this. Our God, our Lord, is a man of what? He's a man of war. Very dangerous term in these politically correct times in which we live. Is that true? Very dangerous terms. Nevertheless, it's still true. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 6.30. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace Bible. or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible, and again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.